Earth. Fire. Air. Water. I guess you're gonna miss the panty raid. Well, she's definitely, 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 definitely Master Fire, in my opinion. And that's evident in the next leak we're gonna talk about. Um, it was a leak that came out along with the opening, and it's mainly her just um, demonstrating her fire bending toward what appeared to be like White Lotus and then also a familiar old face. And, I mean, wh wh what did you guys think when you first saw this? Why, why don't you tell us some um, DS? Um, well, one of the things that, uh, that Brian and Mike have been, like, pretty upfront about, at least in all the stuff that I've been following, is uh, talking, like, referring to Korra as, like, an anti-Aang in terms of a character. Like, basically, my interpretation of that is that the ways that Aang might resolve the situation, at least as he was at the beginning of the series, are the opposite of the way that Korra might go about something. And so, um, watching, like, that training clip with her just, you know, showing off and, and whatever, like, while, that, while the showing off element is something that Aang might do, the fact that she was just kind of treating fire like this toy, whereas Aang was, you know, the opposite, like, being very, like, careful and, like, kind of scared of it through a lot of the series, like, Korra's just like, it's fire, I'm just going to have fun with this and just go crazy. Um, and I think that that lends itself also to this idea of her, like, not really, like, maybe thinking about what she's doing and just, like, doing stuff and... Um, so for me, like, the biggest thing I took away from that scene was that maybe one of Cora's big character development aspects is going to be her learning to, like, be in, you know, keep control of herself. Uh, and I think that the fact that we've been seeing her firebending so much and going back to the way that fire was discussed in the original series about this very dangerous thing that you need to be careful with, I just think that that's not a coincidence, at least in my mind. Oh, it, it, they even literally mentioned it in the video, too. Like yeah. when they when Katana said like she's strong, mm -hmm. and then somebody else in the White Lotus says she lacks restraint. And I'm like, right. no, that's exactly what you're talking about. Wait, Katara's alive? Oh <laughs> <laughs> snap! It does seem I to be that way. I I think that that obstacle is going to be overcome in her mastering of air. Yeah. Because I think air does require a lot of control. There is a sort of freedom to it, but in that sense, I think to have that freedom, you have to be able to have control over yourself. Yeah. I wonder what moves she'll make up on her own. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thing that we don't know about air is there's actually, uh, compared to the underbending powers, there's actually pretty few information about air and how... Uh, air is master. Aang already mastered air, but how did the other Avatars master? How hard was it for them? Air I think we'll find that out with Tenzin. Like, there's 35 levels of mastery. They don't mention anything like that for any of the other three pendants, too. As Tiny said, 
I think that's definitely something that would be good for them to explore. Because as you said, you know, there's a lot to how they do it that they really never go into. And Avatar Last Airbender, you know, with Tenson's kids being airbenders, you know, not being masters, and him being a master, you know, it's like, it's, they probably, you know, of course him teaching Korra, they're gonna, they're gonna go through it, and we're gonna get, like, the same download, lowdown for the series that we got with every other type of bending as Aang started learning it. Which will be very good to know because I feel like airbending for somebody that watches series is definitely the least developed because you don't get to see it from the ground up. Yeah. I'm, a- I'm actually quite interested um, in how bending is inherited now. Um, we've had discussions before about, you know, is it genetic, is it spiritual? And now that we're seeing a mix between the different uh, the different nations, like our two of the main characters, they're brothers, but one is an earthbender and one is a firebender. But then we have Tenzin, who probably didn't marry one of his other siblings, so air seems to be taken, taking um, dominance in that case. I don't know well, if that's spiritual or genetic. But Aang Katara had eight Zen and nine Zen, and they're reported not to be airbenders. Tenzin's the youngest and the only airbender. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Well, and, well, it's mainly because they haven't really given much information besides that one little mention in like an interview way back in 2010, I think. Oh, wow. I think from what I can remember, uh, three of the bending skills, Earth, Fire, and Water were all uh, genetically inherited. And you had, there was some percentage of becoming an airbender or a, a waterbender if only one of your parents was a waterbender. But as what I remember was uh, a spiritual uh, bending skill. Anybody could with the right training from the airbender, given the right circumstances. That's what I could remember from reading somewhere on the forums. But there's no way to say that. There's no way to say that definitely from the first series, because they were a culture and a race, like or so to speak. Um, it's like if you... There was this area in... Mexico, I believe, thousands and thousands of years ago, and all of their populants were type O blood. So that had to be genetically inherited. But in the same way, the culture could have been teaching the spiritual side to make it air, every child airbending. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. In the show... The only thing that we know about airbenders or the air nomad, I would say, is that every air nomad is an airbender. There's no no information that there were air nomads around that were not benders. Yeah. Which leads me more to say that uh, airbending is something uh, taught to you spiritually. But um, that's why I'm, I'm using the same point to say that it's not. Like, I, I don't think that we can conclude that. It's it's very difficult, because, like, if we're to use the genetics argument and say one out of three of Aang's kids ended up being airbending, was it because Katara was the reason why that that was not the case? Is airbending so dominant genetically that, you know, between airbender and airbenders, 100% of the people will be airbenders? Like, it certainly seems that, you know, not everyone, not everyone in Earth, not everyone in Fire 
not everyone in Earth Kingdom, not everyone in Fire Nation, not everyone in the Water Tribes are benders. And it's not, and it seems to me that there isn't a 100% chance that if someone is a bender, it's apparent that the other will be a bender. So it's like, for 100% airbending, like, that, that leads to some interesting questions, to say the least. Yes. Um, then again, we don't have any proof that Korra's parents are benders, and she turns out being the Avatar. You know, I never even factored the Avatar into it as whether or not you're being genetically apparented. I almost kind of assumed it like nature just handpicks and just says, hey, you're the Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what, what is pretty much explained in the show. The moment the Avatar dies... Uh, the avatar soul goes to a random newborn kid. Rather, it, from what they, from what they are saying in the show, it doesn't matter if the fans are vendors or not. It just goes to a random baby. That baby is gonna be the new avatar, regardless of parental situation. I saw it as being the first newborn of the area, but I could have been wrong. Yeah, it, it might have been something like that. The first newborn after uh, Avatar died. If it's the first newborn, again, it really doesn't matter if the parents are bundles or not. But if two yeah. non-bundles happen to get the first newborn, that baby shall have to be the Avatar. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Avatar, I was surprised when I watched the training clip how Korra turned out, because it was like, DS was saying earlier, they say she's the opposite of Aang, yet I actually I saw some similarities between the two. And it was just refreshing to me to see that she had a bubbly side because I thought she was just going to be portrayed as, like, I don't know, Zuko 2.0, but as a girl <laughs> and the Avatar. Yeah, that's, that's what I was worried about, too. So, like, I'm definitely glad that now that we've seen, a, like, a few clips that she does look like she has, like, a bit of a comical side to her. Um, and now that I've seen more of it, it makes me think that when they said anti-Aang and how they've been referring to her, that they've probably been meaning more about how she approaches the role of being the Avatar rather mm-hmm. than inherently her personality is, like, the complete opposite. It's maybe more that the way that she goes about solving problems is, like, the opposite of the way Aang might. And um, so, like, that... that uh, that clip where she's fighting the gangsters, like, I mean, we don't know yet, you know, what provoked that, but she didn't seem to have a problem just kind of, like, laying the snack down and beating up all those guys, whereas I feel like Aang might have, like, tried something not as inherently violent right from the get-go. And that's so. that's the thing I've noticed about the all the leak clips when it comes to fighting is the fighting is much more violent in this show. Like, it's much more... Um, yeah. Yeah. Be in contact. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when, when Aang is always really defensive in his fighting, no matter if he's on the attack, he's still rather de- defensive and careful. Right. But if he hurts his enemy, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you aside. I'm gonna hit you, but I'm not gonna try to hurt you. I'm just gonna push you aside and get you off." Right. So it's more like, "Okay, you piss me off. You're gonna go down on that pavement right now." I don't yeah. care. Yeah. You know, you're gonna go down. I'm the boss here. That's There's also. Good. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was done. Okay. Um. 
There's also a big difference in their fighting styles, I think. Um, Korra seems very, like you said, direct. Like, she she hook-kicked a guy in the face. Yeah. I don't ever see Aang doing that. <laughs> and, and consequently sent his face flying into the front of a car. <laughs> yeah. So... That's like, that's brutal. Fun. Yeah. It's okay. His face, awesome. covered in, his face was covered in ice, so it was, they were able to, to have that violence without it being rapid. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, he was he he was ugly. He didn't improve. He didn't yeah. improve in there. <laughs> um, I I was watching like some like behind the scenes stuff uh, at some point over the past like couple months about it, and I remember specifically a detail that stuck out in my mind was how uh, when they were conceiving the the world for the original series, that bending was like this perfect way to do it because they could portray like these this very physicality. Uh, through the action scenes without it technically being violent because they're expressing all this, like, physicality through these elements. And so, like, water hits someone and air blows someone away and stuff like that. And there's no, like, you don't even really think about, you know, it leaving a bruise or anything like that because it's water or air. So, like, they've been able to do more violent things without it technically being violent. And that's becoming more apparent from what we've seen in this series, too, that they're even... Focusing on that physicality even more, maybe. But then you. I was wondering how that works with work earthbending. Yeah, that's true. Like Zuko and Hama, who like bended someone's blood. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was something that. I was just gonna say real quick that the the bloodbending in particular is something that like doesn't specifically look graphically violent, but the idea of it is very creepy and disturbing. Yeah, I was surprised they brought that on TV. Yeah. The way they animated it, they actually didn't make it look kind of creepy, because you, like, saw yeah. them bend in, like, erratic angles and such, and I'm like, you're doing a pretty good job of making this seem kind of creepy and off yeah. when you're doing it. Like, they're trying to make it seem like it's as as powerful and twisted of a move as it would actually be to, to some degree without, you know, making them do anything truly terrible with it. Yeah. Another good thing the staff's been really good at is... Just the music, oh my god, all the music and yeah. that I've heard from yeah. Cora. Oh. It's beautiful. Oh, it's like finale. I have, from what I've heard, exactly, I'm like, the acoustics in it seem far more than I'm used to for most of the series of Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, I'm hearing, like, I'm hearing, like, a little, at least an ensemble that's a decent amount of it a decent amount of actual instruments rather than digitized sound right off the bat. Like, I'm hearing a string section right offhand. Also, another thing, speaking of sound and all that, the voice acting, I think it's really good. I think it's better than the first show. Yeah, it's, it does seem like it's it's pretty good. I think it's tough for me to really make a, a clear comparison, but I like how chorus sounds. I like how... I like talking... Katara sounds. Oh yeah, Katara's alive again. But I like how Korra sounds, and I like how Korra sounds. And you know, if that of of those are two important main characters, and we did hear Tenzin, who was the one who spoke in the opening sequence, and you know, he, he sounds stoic, stoic and appropriate for you know how he looks. So I, so from what I've heard so far, I definitely like, I definitely like the voice acting. But I guess it's too to- it's too soon for me to really speak too much in volumes when making a comparison. Yeah, yeah. Like it's we don't even know we don't even really know 
any like hardly anything about the voices of Mako and Bolin yet. I mean, I think maybe at the end of uh, like a the trailer, the initial trailer, I think Bolin said like in some giddy little voice at the end something. But even then, like I don't even know if that's how his voice is normally going to be. If that was him, so and. I mean, those two are the other two people of Team Avatar, so that'd be like not knowing how, you know, Sokka and Toph are going to sound like at all, but knowing how Aang's going to sound, or something like that. Like, so, there's, I don't know, like, I'm very curious to see how those two characters in particular end up sounding. Mako's going to sound like Bud from Married with Children. (laughs) That's his actor. (laughs) FYI. Yeah, no, I know. Saying. That's really (laughs) funny. Yeah. I actually wouldn't mind that. Um, I guess another thing I'd like to touch on is in that mobsters clip where, you know, she's all violent and all that. There's um people that kind of remind me of the cabbage bending merchant if he was a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they don't know that Core is the avatar. And I think that's kind of funny because, you know, in the original show... Yeah, in the beginning of season one, they didn't know, but, you know, by the time they got to season two, everyone knew, and it was easier because he had the arrows and all that, but what do you think, Tiny, about people not knowing Korra's Avatar? Is there more significance in that than we're let on? Well, I think it's to be expected because with the first series, we are looking at a culture that has been literally wiped off the planet, so when someone shows up bearing trademarks of that culture it's pretty obvious that that's going to be the Avatar. The only problem that I see with that is that when Zuko went down to the Water Tribe, he expected the Avatar to be an old person living in the Southern Water Tribe. So once the world knows that the Avatar is going to be a waterbender or someone from the Water Tribe, then anyone from the Water Tribe or anyone who shows characteristics of being a initially from a water-bending community, could be considered the Avatar. Um, That being said, they're not going to know for a while. I mean, she... I I believe that Avatars generally weren't even told until they were 16 that they were the Avatar. So, for a long time, it's going to have been kept a secret. I don't know, though, why they were so surprised after they saw her bending three different elements... I don't know why that was still a question. Yeah, <laughs> the second one. I think it's because when you're walking down the street and you see something, you go, holy crap, is that, that the avatar? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's out of circumstance. Like, you know, if I'm walking down the street, you know, I don't expect to see, like, the president or, you know, somebody who, you know, there's only clearly one of a kind of who's fairly important to be just down the street from me. Right. So it's a little bit of disbelief I kind of figured when that happened. As yeah. for why they don't know, I think that's a very, very good point. If Paul is only 17 years old and avatars are generally told when they're 16, like, they had one year, really, or one to just under two years to really decipher the fact that that boy is the avatar, if that fact remains consistent. But another thing I think is just the need. Thing. In Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, the world was in a state of war, you know, Fire Nation was taking over, people were like, Avatar, why didn't you come and save us? 
So when people knew who the Avatar was, it was incredibly important to them to follow his movements, actions, hope for him to do something. He was a very distinct, and the Avatar was a very distinct, important role towards, you know, restoring balance, helping deal with the Fire Nation. And and in Legend of Korra, it doesn't appear, there doesn't appear to be any a conflict anywhere near as large as a nation has completely wiped out another one and has been at war for a hundred years right. with the rest of the world. Well, I guess that's really all we have to say about that. Do, do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts or anything of the sort? Oh, yeah. I would admit I will not take credit for thinking of this first writer. This belongs, this belongs to Battery, but I noticed this when she said this. In the Monsters clip, the guy that waterbends, he looks like he has his hand up in the position like he's about to shoot a gun when he does this. Yeah. I wonder what this means. Is this just like a coincidence fun thing for the fact that it looks like he's shooting a gun and he's a mobster? Or does this also complacent to the fact that there may in fact be guns? That's what I'm wondering right now. Um, I feel like they're not going to have guns just because it is a children's series. And like the guns that we've seen on children's series have been like laser guns or something. And shooting a bullet at someone could get a bit too graphic, even for, like, what we've been talking about. That's the only reason why I think that it wouldn't be, like, a decent reason for it. That, that, brings, me back, that brings me back to another point, Katie. Uh, in the original series, Sokka was walking around with a sword for most of Season 2 and entire Season 3. He never hit anybody with that sword. You didn't even see him cutting the Melanoid's head. Uh, like Destiny just said, Jet was killed, but you never saw the impact of the arrow hitting Jet. While here, in just a couple of minutes of footage we already have, we see Koa bashing, smashing, bending people, and hooking people in the face onto a car with her feet. Throwing them through windows. Face planting, like she face planted one of those metal bending coughs. She kicked him yeah, in the face. <laughs> that's a good point. If the idea is the fact that this is a kid show and we don't want children emulating behavior, I don't think we want to be teaching kids to throw people through windows very much either. No, classic fun. A little bit of a mature audience right here. So mm. in that sense, if they're gonna add guns. I would certainly uh, not throw up the argument that it just won't be too graphical, but for guns, I would more throw up the argument of it would kind of be overkilling the show because you have unbending and guns. Batman had guns. Joker shot his feet. That's what I'm saying. Batman... Batman the Animated Series did, Justice League did, and that was post-2000. Also, it's like, it's incredibly possible, and I have a difficult time thinking, you know, Fire Nation had, like, land artillery vehicles during the war, yet, by the time, by the time that there are radios, there are no guns. Like, when it makes, to just make sense of how technology and how advancement works, you know, as a parallel, it just seemed really odd to me that they wouldn't have guns at this point in time. But it seems like it's still kind of, it's a fuzzy ground, and it's very easy to see why they would take guns out. But I, I, I think I think other shows in this kind of situation, in this kind of audience demographic have pulled it off. So I think it's possible. 
and also right. seems to put more of a significance towards metal than cops, in my opinion. Because if you can bend bullets, that's pretty badass. Oh my People god! Are want to shoot you. I didn't even think of that. That could be yeah. why that's a big deal now. Oh. Yeah. Well, someone brought up, I think, in the last podcast that there was no reason to have guns because people already had really efficient ways of killing people. Uh, like, you can just bend a rock through their head or something like that. But, I don't know, I feel like... Bend? Hmm? Not bend. Anyone can shoot a gun. Yeah, and I think that a lot of, in history, a lot of guns have been invented to be a more efficient way of killing people. Like, the guillotine was invented to have a humane way of killing people, so I don't think that <laughs> that's going to stop anything. Um, especially if, uh, if a big theme of the series, which it looks like it's going to be, is the, as the whole, like, benders versus non-benders sort of idea. Like, guns would become even more of a thing that you, I would expect to at least be referenced, maybe, just because, like... That is that is the most efficient way that mankind up until now seems to have developed for killing other people without, and that doesn't involve any magic or anything like that. So, um, especially if there's any kind of like, I don't know, like large scale violence that might happen between benders and non-benders, like I wouldn't be surprised if guns are visually represented, even if they're not even if we don't see them getting used or something like that. I don't know, but it is the great equalizer. Yeah. Well, could that be that the Avatar world would be coming more scientific? Like, Korra could yeah. just be the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, and people would be less and less spiritual. Ooh, that's a good point. I remember discussing on the show that that could actually be a very possible thing that may occur, just because, you know, it seems that Republic City, you know, is a great deal more advanced than the water tribes. Yeah. That could also well, explain why Korra has more problems with the spiritual side of feminine because of uh, the more science, uh, more science being there in the Or maybe she has trouble with the spiritual side because she's stressed that the Avatar spirit means she has Aang in her and she's been exposed to guitar for most of her life, from what we've seen so far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, why? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, oh. That went right over your head. <laughs> okay. Well, well, what about... Uh, wait, one question about the world. Um, What about the Southern Water Tribe? I mean, it's like that's where she's from, and I would assume that that's where she's bending and learning how to firebend because we see her with her parents, and I don't think that they would necessarily relocate to the Northern, tri- well, Northern Water Tribe. Um, but it seems more developed, like a lot more yeah. developed. Mm-hmm. It seems, it does seem more developed. You saying, I, I remember seeing at some point that there is like a factory there. Like even the, even like the igloos, they look like they almost look like they're insulated, even though they're igloos. Yeah, and uh, they're clearly lights. And it's, it, it definitely seems to me that there is a society there, as opposed to you know, out on the last airbender where they were basically in shambles. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what it was, like, two huts. Yeah. And then I see, like, kind of two factory-looking things. Like, if you look at my signature on the AP forums, you can see them in my little gif I have of Cora just being all cute. But yeah. Yeah. There's, She's adorable. She is adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's really adorable. That's why this yeah. podcast is called what it is. But Dane, I said closing thoughts. Wait, 
Okay, about the topic of the, of this podcast. Okay. Is this like raiding Cora's panties, or like she going on a raid, or is it just ambiguous? It's what you want, honey. <laughs> Never call me honey. I I I I, I insist that Cora is the one raiding. She, yeah, she she's not the victim like ever. Okay. Yeah. She never seems like a victim to me. Yeah. I, de- right. I sincerely doubt that. That's that's the worst if thing. They've got to be careful. Yeah. To me, it just means she's listening to our podcast through a pair of iPod panties or something. <laughs> well, they have the radio. Uh, have Don't forget. Yeah, you, you guys got to factor in just me. Last <laughs> week, the only thing that his goal in the Legend of Core roleplay has been has been hitting on Core and getting shit with Core. You know, <laughs> I think there is somewhat of a hint here in the title that John is actually trying to raise. Koa hair, if anything else. Well, it's no secret that I'm an open core sexual. That's for sure. But <laughs> anyway... Oh, go ahead, Tiny. I was just about to say same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're all yeah. core sexuals if we're doing I, a I think so. for Cora. Yeah. How's that? That'd be a good assumption. Alright, but I gotta get to work, so let's close this stuff up. Um... We are brought to you by avatarpool.org, actually. And if you want to email us with thoughts or questions or, I don't know, maybe some cool Cora fan art that is awesome or something, um, it's <laughs> CoraPannyRaid at gmail.com, all one word. And um, I'd like to thank Tiny, DS, Kip, and for joining me today. I'm your host, and... We'll see you on the next episode, which will be also about leaks. Man, just thinking about radios, I wanted to lay down the really horrible pun of firebending side chats. Oh.